Welcome to the Goodness Podcast, the Middle East first platform dedicated to tackling women's health in a real and honest way. I'm your host, Noor Tahini. My guest on the podcast today is Dr. Sandrine Atallah, a consultant in sexual medicine and certified psychosexologist. Dr. Sandrine has really been breaking boundaries in the Arab world and pushing the limits of what is and isn't discussed. I'm thrilled to have her on the podcast today to break down sex and long-term relationships. Hi, Dr. Sandrine. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast. I've been following your work for a really long time and a big fan of the information that you're putting out there. Well, I try to do my best. I cannot put all the information I want to put out there, but I do my best. So let's dive right in. Today we're talking about sex in long-term relationships, which is a topic that I've heard a lot about actually recently. There's been a lot of books written about it. A lot of experts have started speaking out about it. Have you found that, that people have been asking you more about this topic? It's because uh, people are actually uh, realizing that, uh, well, you cannot expect to feel desire all the time or to have passion uh, throughout a relationship. And because they want a lot from a relationship, they want love, security, friendship, and sex, and desire. And because um, relationships are lasting longer, or maybe we are living longer so there is a higher need. And because now getting separated or divorced is easier, so people are trying to stay connected till the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess when a way out is an option, you take a very much, much of a closer look at the things that connect you and, and you put in more work maybe. Exactly. And uh, today we're very demanding of our relationships and we expect a lot. Sometimes our expectations are um, unrealistic and this is why we sometimes hit the wall or we have uh, obstacles or challenges. Long-term relationships are challenging and there's a lot of effort to put into it. It's not spontaneous or natural as we think it is. I guess the the first question I would ask you is how important is sex to a relationship? Well, it depends on the couple. It's a very individual answer. Some people really value sex and it's very, it's a pillar in their relationship. And for them, there is no relationship if there isn't a strong sexual connection or sexual chemistry. And for others, it's not a priority. So it's a very individual answer. We cannot say that, yes, sex is very important. It is important for some. uh, It is less important for others. And it's not at all for uh, a few. So it is possible for a relationship to last without sex? Yes. If uh, both partners are not uh, into sex, of course. Is that what you would call asexual? For some, yes. For some people are asexual. It's not uh, a big percentage of the population. 1% of individuals are asexuals. So these people are less interested uh, or not attracted sexually in people. But some people have low desire 
and um, are, sex is not really a priority for them and they expect something else from a relationship. So they also can be in a sexist relationship without being asexual. Could you explain to our listeners, um, just in case they're not familiar with the term asexual, what it means? As always with sexual orientation, there is no uh, black and white, and it's always uh, gray, and uh, sexual orientation is a continuum, and it's very fluid. So some people are not attracted or interested into people sexually, so they don't desire to be sexually active with partners. And these people usually label themselves as asexuals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess your sort of pool of people that you see is a little bit skewed or your sample is a little bit skewed because people come to you when they have a problem specifically. But what percent, if you had to guess or make an estimate, what percentage of of couples in long-term relationships start to struggle with physical intimacy and sex? Well, I cannot give you a percentage. Uh, Usually, if you look at uh, surveys or studies, it's really related to protective factors. So if people have realistic expectations about sex, they are uh, sexually satisfied in long-term relationships. If in the beginning they they didn't have realistic uh, expectations about sex and relationships, they might be uh, less sexually uh, satisfied and really feel that they are facing obstacles. So all studies usually or surveys are a bit biased. I cannot really give you numbers, Mm. but... In relationships, it's very important to be able to have a new understanding to your couple or relationship every uh, five years or seven years. For some experts, it's after seven years. For some, it's after five. For others, it's after three. It's also uh, dependent on the fact if you have children or not, uh, how old are your children, And uh, uh, an interesting study showed that the most satisfied people were those who were uh, married for 50 years. (laughs) 55 zero. Yes. (laughs) So you uh, you really need to wait a lot to to be sexually satisfied in a long-term relationship. But it means that when when you have maturity enough and you are willing to work on your relationship, and you really uh, understand that you can have spontaneous desire, but also something that is called relation. Uh, I mean, a reactional or responsive desire. And when you understand that uh, relationships and sex is like everything else, you need to prepare for it. You need to think about it. You need to spice it a little bit. You need to break the routine. Uh, you need to uh, make time for it. So when you understand the basics, it's easier to manage and be sexually satisfied in a long-term relationship. I definitely want to get into all of the things that you mentioned, like the tips, spicing up, etc. But first, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned basically setting the right expectations for your sex life. What does that mean? And how does that change depending on the phase of, the, of your marriage? Let's start with the first expectation that people have. They think that when they will get married, 
sex is going to be amazing just because they they just get got married or they're just starting a relationship which is not true for some people they do connect and some people really um, have what we call chemistry however usually to really be satisfied in a sexual relationship you need to learn about yourself and you need to discover and learn about your partner so it usually takes time for you to reach this point where sex is amazing or great this is the first unrealistic expectations that people have they also have unrealistic expectations when it comes to quantity they think that they should have sex a lot which is not true for a lot of people and for quality and how they evaluate quality for some people uh, for example the male partner should know how to please uh, his partner, if he's heterosexual, his female partner, the the woman should not say or or express directly her needs. And some men also think the same way that they shouldn't talk. The other one should know, which is not true. You cannot know. You cannot read in a person's brain or ideas, or you cannot mind, let's say, and you cannot know your partner's sensitive spots and sexual fantasies so talking is very important and um, sex is not like in the movies so we have two uh, let's say biased pictures of sex we have pornography mm-hmm. in pornography we have the this image that sex is wild spontaneous a lot of uh, pleasure directly just from penetration uh, it's quick to be uh, we get quickly aroused and uh, but you last very very long and you need to have hmm. a perfect body and uh, you need to do yeah. all sorts of uh, positions and to be standing and to be i don't know climbing and to, to, to curtains and to shout and this is very unrealistic and you have the romantic image of sex that you have in movies and it's also biased it's uh, wow you click and everything is so smooth and everything is so clean and you orgasm together and you orgasm from penetration well when you know that 70 percent of women don't orgasm from vaginal mm-hmm. penetration and they need a lot more to be able to orgasm with a partner well you need to give a lot more uh, into your uh, sexual relationship in order to be satisfied the third unrealistic expectation is the fact that we expect that every time should be amazing or should be good however experts say that we should follow the good enough sex model which means that usually in let's say most couples if they have sex 10 times a month let's say it's just a number maybe four times will be amazing and very satisfying but three times will be just okay two time will be not so good and one time will be awful and it's okay and this is normal sex is like going to a restaurant or sleeping sometimes you're satisfied sometimes you're in shape sometimes you have a lot of arousal and you have a great orgasm and sometimes you just want to cuddle and kiss and hug uh, sometimes you don't want an orgasm, and it's uh, this is realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. And as you move on, you need to uh, understand that 
in the beginning, yes, you have spontaneous desire because you're dating, you're exploring, the partner is mysterious, you're getting to, to know the other person. Maybe you have less responsibilities. Maybe you don't. You didn't buy a house together. Maybe you don't have kids together. Maybe you didn't evolve in your career, which can become very demanding. And so you need to expect that with time, it's it's not going to be as spontaneous anymore. It needs to work, and you need to plan. And I, in my opinion, even in the beginning when you date. Sex is not that spontaneous because you're dating. So already when you're prepping for your date, you're fantasizing, you're anticipating, you're at least getting dressed and putting some perfume on or at least taking a shower. So with time, you also need to mm. prep and uh, schedule and uh, give time and uh, share maybe new fantasies or not, but really give it time and I've noticed that among couples in the beginning, when they first explore their sexuality, they can spend hours in chatting, sexually, I mean, uh, kissing, uh, touching each other, and it feels great. And afterwards, after a couple of years, they only give, I don't know, they don't chat sexually anymore. They kissed for like five minutes, they touched for two minutes, and they expected to feel as amazing as it was before. Mm. Well, it, it doesn't work this way. If you're putting less uh, salt and, and pepper in it, it will not taste the same. So you need to always give it time, always kiss, always talk. Foreplay doesn't uh, start in the bedroom. Foreplay starts when you wake up. When you talk about sex, when you dress, when you, I don't know, uh, think about your uh, your partner, you really need to invest in your uh, sexuality. And this is what you do when you are in a new relationship, actually. I heard once that uh, a saying that said that foreplay starts the minute you stop having sex. So the, as soon as you're done having sex one time, Foreplay needs to start for the next time. So it's in the way you talk to each other. It's in the way you touch each other. It's it's in the everyday. This is what, uh, this is what Esther Perel says. She, yes. she said <laughs> that, <laughs> that uh, foreplay starts after your orgasm. Yes. And she, she says something else, which I think is relevant to this conversation. She talks a lot about two strong opposing needs that we have. As humans, we have a need for certain grounding qualities, which are stability, predictability, security. And on the other hand, we have a strong need for excitement, novelty, freedom. And this is something that creates a lot of dissatisfaction when it comes to sexual life, sexual relationships in, in, in long-term uh, couples, because stability, predictability, and security, uh, she says, are basically the enemies of desire but they are what makes a relationship strong. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think she's an expert and she's right. However, for some, they feel they have more desire when they feel secure and when they are, they feel stability. Some people are not capable of letting go or feeling or allowing themselves to feel desire or to, to feel arousal 
if they don't have this sense of security and stability. Mm -hmm. So we should not overgeneralize. It's true that we shouldn't expect for uh, everything from a relationship, but it's it's very individual. And some people, for example, cannot feel desire if they're not in love. Other people cannot desire people they love. So it's it's really related to social cultural factors, to individual factors, to the way you see your your partner and the way you see uh, sexuality per se, and what you're searching for. In, in sexuality and in in my experience among couples I've seen around 10 to 15 percent of couples without working on their sexuality still have strong desire towards each each other how do they reach this point is it because they are busy or because they are they are independent from each other or because they they have another sense of security or other needs. It's it's very individual, it's very different, but these people are usually very satisfied, but we cannot overgeneralize. I, mm. I always remember this couple that I saw. Uh, she was 78, he was 82. They wow. came to me because, yeah, they were amazing. They came to me, he was telling me that he didn't have erections anymore. And uh, we did blood tests, he had low uh, testosterone. testosterone. And I and I, I discussed the options with him and I told him, but are you sure that if we give you medication for erection and testosterone, does she want to be sexually active? And he told, he told me, I'm doing all of this for her. Uh, I don't want to do a penetration, but I want to show her that when she when she kisses me and when she touches me, my body reacts because I still want her and I still want to kiss her and touch her and feel that my body is also reacting. So it's 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 very personal, it's very individual, and it's it's really related to how you see sexuality and what you want from it and how you see a relationship and what you want for it. And this is why honesty and discussing your needs is very, very important before getting in a, in a long-term long commitment. Partners should talk about it and should decide together what, how they should manage their sexuality or how how much honesty they should have. And I think that honesty is very important because mm -hmm. a lot of marriages have bad starts. When you don't discuss your needs, for example, if a very sexual person gets in a long-term relationship with a less sexual person or with variant or different needs, in the beginning, you do some compromise, but after two, three years, Maybe you don't have the energy to do this type of compromise. So mm. it's very important to, to be honest from the start and not to expect for a long-term relationship or for a marriage to uh, solve it. Uh, getting mm. committed or saying I do doesn't solve uh, your um, sexual uh, discrepancies or differences. Mm -hmm. If you're expecting to have spontaneous desire all the time, Yes, you will be shocked, of course, 
because you only have spontaneous desire if you're a woman, uh, if you're ovulating and not taking uh, oral contraceptive pills. But if you know that there is something called responsive desire, and if you are willing to, and from the beginning, it's a rule with your partner that we give time to our sexuality. And if we feel that we're disconnected for a couple of weeks, we make the effort not to let this distance draw us apart, then it's not a shock. But if you slowly, slowly let it eat your sex life, very slowly, it starts with having sex less, then giving it less time, doing a shortcut on, uh, let's say, caresses, Uh, I don't know, uh, being a bit lazy, spending a couple of months without having sex. And it's progressive. It's not you waking up after uh, five years of great sex and suddenly, oh, my sex Mm. life is ruined. No, Mm. the the change is progressive. Mm. So you need to stop the change from the beginning and accept that, yes, some things are going to change and this is normal and it's not less beautiful or less enjoyable. So I want to ask you to explain the difference between spontaneous desire and reactive desire, but I also want us to say that we're, we were talking here about a, a portion of the population that may be involved with their partner before marriage. There's also a portion of the population that isn't right, and who have their sexual relationship with their partner starts after marriage. True, but even if you're not sexually active before marriage, you already have uh, sexual thoughts, sexual needs, uh, sexual curiosity. So there's a lot to uh, express and to uh, share before getting married. Mm -hmm. And you also uh, usually have your own experience with your body and your own experience with your own pleasure. We are sexual from the moment we are born and we start exploring ourselves from from the beginning. So even if we're not sexually active and we wait to get married to be sexually active, we are already sexual. We don't become sexual when we we say I do or else your marriage is going to start with pain and uh, no pleasure at all and a lot of disappointment. Mm-hmm. And then issues like vaginismus and all of that. Yes, exactly, exactly. So th- the difference between spontaneous desire and responsive desire. is Responsive desire is uh, usually used for uh, labeling female sexual uh, response cycle. However, we're starting to also view male sexuality this way. So the spontaneous desire is when you, you're not uh, stimulated by uh, external stimu- stimulation or internal stimulation, and you want sex, you desire sex, okay? You, you, you start thinking about sex and you, you wish to have sex. This is the spontaneous desire. The responsive desire is when you start from a neutral position, Mm-hmm. So you didn't want sex, you didn't feel the desire to have sex, but there is a stimulation, uh, either external or you uh, decide to think about sex, and you see that your body start, starts changing and mm. you get aroused. And because you got aroused, 
you begin you begin to start uh, feeling desire and want to engage in a sexual uh, activity. It can be with intercourse or without intercourse. So we usually advise, especially specifically women, if you if today you're very tired and you don't feel like having sex, but maybe if you allow yourself without any obligations, so you're you're uh, of course. Uh, entitled to say no at any moment and to stop it but allow yourself to kiss allow yourself to touch allow yourself i don't know to watch porn together or to talk sex together or to to caress each other and if you get in the mood this is responsive desire you Mm. can continue and pursue with sexual activity you allow yourself the possibility of being aroused exactly Exactly. You allow your, yourself the possibility to be sexually active mm-hmm. without any, uh, any without any obligations. Okay. Uh, responsive desire is very important when you think that we have very stressful and demanding lives. So at the end of the day, maybe we don't have or we don't feel in the mood uh, to, uh, to have sex. We only want to, I don't know, watch Netflix uh, under a, a, a duvet cover or, I don't know, or to go to sleep. We don't allow ourselves to give time to, for sexuality or we think that, oh, no, we shouldn't schedule sex because it's not spontaneous and sex should be spontaneous. We Usually, we advise couples to mix both of, uh, types of sexual activities, to have spontaneous sex when they feel like it, but to also schedule sex doesn't mean on every Saturday we need to have sex between 8 and 9. But maybe Friday morning I can tell my partner that tonight I would like to do something or to uh, let's book, I don't know, uh, let's have dinner and then give us uh, and put the kids with our parents and just give ourselves time to be together. Maybe we would have sex, maybe no. And it's uh, all is okay with no with no pressure and with no obligations. Is most people's reaction to the idea of scheduled sex that it's sort of the opposite of sexy? But when you date, it is scheduled. Would you say that there's an evolution in a relationship from a higher percentage of the sex that you have being spontaneous to it being reactive? Is that an evolution that people should expect in their relationship? It's also very, uh, it's very different from a couple to another Mm. because some people are very driven by sex and sex is very important for them. I have certain couples where one one of the partners have, and uh, not necessarily men, uh, some some, uh, women and some men have a lot of spontaneous desire because desire is very important for them. They manage their stress this way. Or when they're happy, they want to have sex. When they're sad, they want to have sex. When they are tired, they want to have sex. So Mm. they have a lot of spontaneous desire. And for other people, no. If they are stressed, if they are tired, if they are sad, if they are happy, they wouldn't think about sex. They They would find comfort or would like to spend their energy on another activity. So it's very different from a couple to another. But for a lot of couples, we do encourage them that anyway, you need to have sex on your schedule. How often do you advise couples to schedule sex? 
Well, Kamen, it depends on their needs. Mm. For for example, if for them they are sexually satisfied, uh, if they have sex weekly, so they should schedule sex weekly. And consider that at least during the weekend, I want to have time for sex. Mm. And I will, because if in your schedule, you don't, you have zero free time, when can you have sex? If you have things to do all day long and all weekend long and all week long, you will never have sex Mm -hmm. if you don't have it on your schedule. People think that, okay, when we go to bed, we will have sex. No, when you go to bed, you'll sleep (laughs) when you're tired usually. So it's it's true in the beginning because you don't have a lot of responsibilities and you don't have to think about millions of things like uh, what to prepare for your kids for lunch tomorrow or if you did the online courses uh, of your kids and if you send all the emails to your colleagues. And, but when you have a lot to do, you cannot expect that just going to bed is going to be enough for you to have sex. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, if you had to pinpoint the factors that cause a change in the sexual dynamic of a couple as the years go by, what would you say are the main sort of culprits? You have routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, routine is uh, a major factor. For some, is spending too much time together or being too comfortable with uh, each other with um, by killing any type of i don't know seduction or seduction uh, rituals such, such as i don't know uh, picking picking nice underwear it can be for guys or for uh, for for uh, for women i'm not it's not uh, not saying that women should prep and men should not this is very important in a relationship it's also when you expect too much from the other person. Mm-hmm. So when you you expect them to, you, know, you want to tell them, why didn't, didn't you buy this or that? Or we need to pay uh, this amount for, uh, for the house or for the electricity or for the kids. And then expect to, to have uh, sex. So it's how you handle your relationship. You need also to have time to discuss the way you used to discuss before political issues, uh, cultural issues, I don't know, uh, gossip, but something else than chores and bills and things that you need to do together. Mm-hmm. This is also very important in the dynamics. Yeah. The thing is becoming a parent. Usually uh, when you have kids that are under five, uh, these couples are the less satisfied couples usually we should not overgeneralize but a parenting is very tiring and it takes uh, away from uh, energy that you can have or give to sexuality so it's very very challenging and usually uh, sexuality picks up when your kids uh, are older and you need to give them less time and you feel that you're more free and more independent and you can start to go out together alone again, travel together uh, alone again, uh, have your uh, you time and close the bedroom uh, door, close it really, lock it again. Intimacy is very important. You cannot have 
satisfying uh, sex without uh, intimacy. And intimacy also includes privacy. And sometimes your kids take, take away your privacy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it seems like a big part of it is returning to the conditions that existed at the beginning of your relationship, when there were fewer pressures, when you were more curious about each other, discussing various things, asking different questions, wanting to know each other's likes and dislikes. And then that seems to fade away as responsibilities increase and pressures increase and the number of people under your roof increase. Not only. I had um, a teacher, he's a psychiatrist, and he used to tell us, You also need to reinvent your couple. So Mm. you cannot go back to the past because you have evolved. For example, after uh, let's say after seven years, maybe you have different interests. Maybe you have evolved in your career. Maybe you have other ambitions. Maybe you have other plans for the future. Or maybe uh, you have new hobbies or a new perception of life and sexuality. So you need to reevaluate your understanding of sexuality and of your couple and of the, your partner and to build a new perception or a new meaning to your couple. Because when you fall in love or when you meet someone, this person sometimes is a projection of your mm-hmm. own expectations. Maybe he's not this way, or maybe she's not this way, but you wanted her to be this way, or you didn't see his flaws or her flaws. So when you are in a long-term relationship, you really also need to understand and to accept the other person as he or she is. And we shouldn't think that we need to go back to the past. No, Mm -hmm. we need to reinvent ourselves. And we need to reinvent our our relationship. But we need to give it time. Yani we need to give the same, uh, I'm not going to say the same amount of time because you cannot give it the same amount of time. And maybe you don't want to give it the same amount of time. For some, as they get older, they want more sex. And for others, they want less sex. So it's, it's really different from a person to another. But to be willing to rethink your sexuality. I see a lot of uh, females, of women, who tell me that in the beginning, when they started uh, their relationship, they didn't care a lot about their own pleasure or they wanted to please Mm. their partners. They also wanted to have a family. They wanted to get pregnant. They wanted to have a nice house. They had other priorities. But after seven years or 10 years or 15 years, what's more important for them is to feel desired, for example, or to have some attention or maybe to explore their bodies in a new way or maybe to uh, try uh, something new. Or to have more orgasms more frequently. For for example, for Mm. example. So the way you feel or the way you view sex also can change. And you need to sit down and not one time but frequently with your partner and discuss the way you feel about sexuality but not only about life also Mm. so it's bringing bringing a a curiosity and openness to all of these conversations yes and 
to be uh, to be there to any to be willing to listen mm. to um, the person who is in front of you to your partner and to understand what he she is saying and to also have space for communication and compromise mm. this is very important i was speaking to uh, a man i know who's been a relationship counselor for for decades in the UAE and he was telling me that in his experience the the couples that manage to keep passion alive the longest are the ones that are the most open to experimentation now experimentation does not he was telling me experimentation experimentation doesn't have to be as extreme as experimenting with new partners but it's experimenting with new scenarios with new positions with new tools in the bedroom. Have you found that to be true as well? For some, yes. For others, no. Some people don't like change. They like their uh, own routine, but they like, say, uh, let's say surprises or uh, um, they value sensuality more. For others, uh, changing is, is and variety is very, very important. But it's not like a trick. Not if I buy sex toys and I will and nice uh, nice underwears, then yes, my sexuality will be booming. It's about discussing your needs and your fantasies. Mm. It's about being open to talk about it or being open to read about it, to share about it. And this this can alone be a change. It's not necessarily getting more adventures. Can be some small things, but it's it's not tricks. It's really giving time to sensuality. I think that sensuality is very very important. Mm-hmm. And sensuality is not only a connection with your partner, but it's a connection with yourself. Exactly, you need to feel good about yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is the challenge with years, because men and women are afraid of aging uh, with time they feel that their body are changing and they are maybe a bit ashamed about the way they they look or feel and feeling self-confident is uh, very important but also feeling desired is very yes. important yes you've you've given a lot of great sort of tips and pointers throughout this conversation. But I think the main thing that I've taken away is the importance of communication. Exactly. Is that what you would say is the most important thing? Yes, it's very, very important. Communication and time. Mm, dedicated to this, yes. And I, I read a statistic this week, actually, and I saved it because I thought it was so important or so interesting, rather. It was uh, a, a research that found that when couples report high sexual satisfaction, it accounts for 15% to 20% of their overall relationship satisfaction. However, when couples report low sexual satisfaction, it contributes 50% to 70% of their overall satisfaction with their partner. So I think we, we can't underestimate the importance of feeling connected sexually to your partner, feeling desired, and the impact that that can have on the relationship as a whole. Exactly, exactly. But it's we need to see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Sandrine. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you. It was 
really a thrilling topic. I don't know if uh, people will have an answer to their question. There is no magic recipe, but you need a lot of uh, maturity. You need to be open-minded. You need to dare. You need also to, to allow yourself to make mistakes, to laugh together, to feel ridiculous together. Uh, you need to feel at ease and at the same time be a bit uh, adventurous or uh, surprise a bit the other one and surprise yourself also Mm -hmm. and as you said there's no one rule or one size fits all it seems that every couple is different and every person is different in a relationship exactly and even when you are with a with a different partner your needs are different are different mm-hmm. so it's uh, every couple is unique because it's not one plus one equals two one plus one equals three so who you are in a relationship is a different person than who you could be with another person mm-hmm. okay. so there's a, there's a dynamic there it takes two yeah. to tango yeah <laughs> and i think i will i'll leave our listeners with one esther perel quote that I really like, and, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well, which is reconciling the domestic and the erotic is never a problem that we solve, but a paradox that we manage. So what I understand from that is that, that it's never a solution that you're just going to fix. It's a contradictory dynamic, perhaps in some relationships that you just have to learn to work with and to manage. Exactly. And to give time to each uh each task or each part or dimension of your relationship. Thank you again, Dr. Sandrine. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening today. If you're not familiar with Goodness, head to www.goodness.me to access the online platform and articles and follow us at Goodness on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and share it. And we'll see you next week.